Hey everybody, welcome back to the Dundee Church Podcast, where we talk about the book of John and uh, guide you through your devotional in this uh, fantastic book of piece of scripture. Uh, my name is J.D. Gorlett. I am the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church in lovely Omaha, Nebraska. I'm joined once again by Keith Holmes. Good, sir. Uh, who is the director of uh, small groups and mission activities, or mission and small group activities, however you... All of it. All of it. I do it all. He does that, and back from vacation in lovely Albania. <sighs> How do you feel, jet-lagged one? Right. If, if you hear a thumping in the middle of this podcast, or see, or see me, see you'll see on. that I'm falling asleep. I'm and... prepared to uh, do the whole thing while you snooze <laughs> and drool on the Bible. There you go. So. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're in John chapter 2. We're going to be uh, working our way through the first 22 verses. That means that you have three other podcasts that precede this one, and uh, that was all John chapter one. Yeah, we did three podcasts on one chapter. We're going to do a lot of podcasts on John, aren't we? Yeah, we really are. We're planning at like 37, and the whole idea is that this is a companion piece for you in your devotional time. Amen. Uh, Amen. So we hope that, that it, it's a benefit to you. If, if it is, please let us know. If it's, it's not, uh, please don't tell us because yes. we don't want to know. Um, I kid because I care. So John chapter 2, uh, check it out in your Bibles. And we're going to start with a question. We always start with a question just to kind of get your uh, us thinking and, right. and talking. Right. And today, uh, Keith, uh, uh, Jesus is going to do a couple surprising things. He tends yes. to do this. Why is Jesus so surprising? I ask that of you. I ask right. that of our, of our listeners and our viewers. Just to even shut us shut this off at some point, just think to yourself, yeah. why does Jesus surprise us? Yeah. What would you say to that? I think because we have expectations going into there the relationship, is, right? Yeah, because we expect Jesus to behave a certain way because that's how we would behave in this situation yeah. so we project ourselves on Jesus like okay Jesus go get them right and then he blesses them right. or some such and you're like well, that's not what you were supposed to do and we don't along those lines recognize that we have limitations yes well, as we're doing that amen so expectations and limitations we we don't tend to be we know they're there yeah but we don't tend to be very aware of them and and uh, you know I've been a Christian you know Walking with the Lord, I should say, since my early 20s, mid-20s, and, and I'm still surprised that he does this. I still take those expectations in. I still have, have, there are times when I have trouble emptying myself before I come to Christ. I don't. And, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. And so, so yeah. So he still surprises me. Now there are other times when he surprises me in good ways, where it's like, oh well, this will never happen. And he surprises me by doing something. Right. And and showing me, yes, yes, this that he is going to bless me in certain ways. And and so you know, it's just it, it's a roller coaster ride being a Christian. Sometimes mm -hmm. I think you know. I don't remember a time when Jesus wasn't surprising to me. Which goes back, again, yeah. I encourage everybody to think in terms of how we project our limitations upon, upon Jesus yeah. without even being aware of it. And so that is, when you do that, it, that's going, that is going to be a source of, of surprise for you with Jesus. And then you went straight to the word expectation, which I think is really what this question is about, is about, you know, the question is, why is Jesus so surprising? It's because we have expectations. And I'm surprised very often by what Jesus does, but more often by what Jesus doesn't do. Things mm. that Jesus takes me into or, or, or 
prayers that he says no to or not yet to. Right. Um, because he's got something that he wants me to experience that he feels is of value. Uh, usually a, a suffering, usually a patience that I need to apply yeah. uh, and experience. And I don't want to do that. I, I, I just, I don't, I, I mean, and what am well, I saying? As far I'm as saying I, get, I, I have an expectation yeah, right? that, yeah. that patience is of no value. Right. And, and I should get what I want when I want it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm pretty sure you're the only one in the world that right. feels that way. I know. I, I, I know. I know for myself that uh, I always have patience. If, if only I could. Right. I mean, you've heard me tell my driving stories how patient right. I am, especially behind the wheel of a car. Right. <laughs> Keith is a, ki a Christian all the time, except when he's driving his blue car. Uh, we know that. We've Don't got that. Don't tell him that. Don't no, tell him that. Right. So uh, uh, Keith forgets that he's in a public place. Uh, we all do, though. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's why this is so important. Why is Jesus? Just take your walk. Yeah. Uh, take your, your walk, your dog, do your devotion, whatever you do, do your prayer time, and ask your, spend the day asking yourself, why is Jesus so surprising? We're not asking you, we're, in that question, we're really not talking about Jesus. We're talking about you. Yeah. What is it about you that makes Jesus so surprising? It really is. And so with that in mind, let's dive into John chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. I'll, I'll read, Keith. Right. Be ready, you right. and everyone out there. Keith, you're representing, you carry the weight of all the thousands of people who right now are watching and listening. How and where did this first miracle happen? This is the first miracle of Jesus. Yep. How and where did this first miracle happen, starting in chapter 2 of the book of John? On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. Boy, I love you got to read it the right way. Uh, you know? yeah. Come on, Mom, leave me alone. Mom! All right, verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons, and we notice the eyewitness detail there of how big the, they were, uh, John putting that in. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out, take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, uh, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables, making a whip of cords. What an image, huh? Mm -hmm. he, drove them, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle, he also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. We really need to visualize this story, don't we? Yeah. This is a Jesus we've got to take time and think about. Yep. Uh, verse 16, he told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and then you will raise it up in three days. 
but he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Uh, so why is Jesus so surprising? He's certainly very surprising here, Amen. would you say, yep. uh, in both these stories. Uh, how I like, I like that they're put together, too. We'll get into that, I'm sure. What is but it? Yeah, what, yeah. Why, why do you say that? Well, it shows two sides of him. Mm. I mean, it really shows us his humanity. It shows us his divinity. It shows us his zeal, mm-hmm. that he wasn't afraid to stand up to those in authority, mm-hmm. nor should we. Yeah, good you know, point. All of this, it, it really shows a, a, a spectrum of emotion right. for Jesus. Right when we, with the water into wine, right when we are tempted to think that Jesus is there just to solve all our problems right. and make us feel good and accommodate us, which he certainly does in the first. Right. Uh, I like what you say here, that yep. they're paired together. That It's a good point. John pairs them together because right when we think, oh, he's making water into wine, he's accommodating me. He's, yes. oh, he's going to take care of every little need right. I have. And approve, want. Uh, approve and, and yeah. now he's throwing tables around right. and money on the ground and, and driving animals out of the temple. Yep. Well, wait a minute, maybe, uh, maybe not. Uh, so going back to the question that yeah. I asked you in our crowd uh, here, how and, how and where did this first miracle happen? There's a basic answer to this. Right, the basic answer is, of course, it's at a wedding in Cana yeah. in Galilee, and that's the, how, the where. But let's the ask how. it again. Yeah. You know. Let's get into it. So how, how and where did this first miracle happen? So I find it interesting that you know it was his mom that brought it to him. You know, <laughs> I, I, I am a self-professed mama's boy, mm-hmm. so I, I, I love that Jesus is a mama's boy in this he story. Is. I mean, he is. Know, let's face facts. Right. You know, his mom comes to him, and he says, you know, she says, Jesus... Do what I tell you to do. Yeah, you know, but but we got to be careful here, obviously, because I'm joking around mm-hmm. when I say that we don't tell Jesus to do something and he does it. Mm-hmm. Mary didn't have that power over right. him, but he had a respect for his mother. He had a he had a love for his mother, mm-hmm. um, and and his ministry was going to start sometime, so I might as well have started now. You mm-hmm. know, but I really love her confidence in this. You know, it's like you know, Jesus, the wine's gone, make more. Yeah. You know, and he says, "Mom." Yeah. And I, you know, when you read it, I'm like, I, I hear, "Woman." Yeah. Right. Mom, don't yeah. do this. Not right That's now. Very much how it was. All yeah. kidding aside, yeah. right? I mean, it, yeah. yeah. It does start. It how and what, how and where did this first miracle happen? It started at a wedding in Cana. In Cana. Yeah. Uh, it, it started in the concerns of a person's heart. For other people, mm-hmm. Mary has. Yeah, that's con- a nice start. Well, yeah. Mary has concern yeah. for other people. Yep. Would it have been a disaster if the wine had run out? No, I wouldn't say not. it would have been a disaster. It would have been a social embarrassment, right? Uh, but it wouldn't have been a disaster. Did Jesus need to turn water into wine? No, no. Uh, but it starts with Mary. Someone dear to Jesus, close in relation to Jesus, having a concern not for self, but for, uh, for, for other people. She's praying for other people here. Because I really have enjoyed you know, that take that you have, that when we talk to Jesus in prayer, yeah. I mean, or when we pray, we're talking to Jesus. These people are physically talking to Jesus, right. but isn't it the same thing? It is the same thing. I mean, so our prayers can, can follow the lines of everything we read in Scripture. Yeah. When Peter, you know, oh, not me, Lord, I would never do that. Right. You know, we tell him all this. Not, oh, I would never turn my back on you, Jesus, right. in our prayers. Mm, yeah, well, right. You know, but here, you know, she says, could you please provide for someone else? Right. And Jesus, you know, are you sure, you know, 
are you sure you want this? Are you, is this really what you want? And right. for her to turn around and say, do whatever he tells you to do. Right. She's got a confidence in Jesus. She knows who he is. She's just sure, you know, she's sure of her relationship. And I think she's also sure of her request that she's not asking for self. She's in God's will. Yeah. And that, and that this prayer will be answered. And you also, before the show, we were kind of having a pre-show talk. And, yeah. and so we asked the question again, of when and how and where did this first miracle happen? And you pointed to the idea of weddings and mm-hmm. marriages oh, yeah. and, and, uh, and they're important. So, yes. Well, they're important, not just for our own social structure and for our spirituality, but biblically, yeah. we see that theme throughout, and you were talking a little bit about that before. Absolutely. We're, you know, we see in, in Genesis 2 that God um, ordains marriage between a man and a woman in Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And that's the beginning of the Old Covenant. That's the, the, uh, uh, you know, that first covenant with you know, God was, we're going to work together. You're going to be my people. I, I love you. You love me. We're going to, be, we're going to have this yeah. all figured out. And so you two get to be together because it's not right for a man to be alone. It's not right for a person to be alone mm-hmm. in, in that regard. And so they start the, the Old Covenant. The Old Testament, and that means covenant, is about, you know, starts about marriage, in, in marriage. And then we see now this renewal, this, this chance of, of turning water into wine in the New Covenant coming. I mean, these are very symbol, symbolic sort yeah. of images that we're getting here. Yeah. You know, water being from the old. And, and we'll talk about that, I think, as we go. But, but just, you know, marriage is the scene in which all of this takes place. This it, is what wraps it. It is the theme that goes throughout Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, mm-hmm. the theme, the idea of, of, of marriage, mm-hmm. of a bride and a groom, of, of, of us being the bride yeah. to God's groom. Right. It, it, that predates uh, Jesus. It predates the New Testament. We see that throughout uh, scripture about how God, we see it in the prophets, uh, the book of Hosea, and many other places where where God makes it very clear that he is married in covenant marriage right. to his people, that that is the motif, that is the, that is the analogy that we want to have in mind. And when we, you and I, conduct weddings, it's really important, I think, to uh, at least on a very regular basis, uh, tell everybody in the crowd and the, and the people getting married, your marriage is an example, is a testament, you use yeah. that word, yeah. to how God feels about us and how God relates to us as a people. This is car- And then Jesus keeps talking about using different examples of the bridegroom and, and just right. declaring, and we're seeing, a, a, I think, a couple a couple more podcasts here, John the Baptist referring to Jesus as the bridegroom. Right. And then yes. all the way through the book of, of Revelation, the idea of God being married to his people and never forsaking that covenant relationship, despite our unfaithfulness. Right. If God you, does not does not quit on us. We are the unfaithful ones, right. not God. Despite every rationalization God has to divorce us, God doesn't do it. Because uh, unlike us, uh, God's heart is not hard. God is, God's heart is, is very soft to us. Uh, gosh, that, that, that really humbles me. Oh, man. The, just the idea of that. The, and so the appropriateness, how and when does the, 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 the miracle happen, it's appropriate, as you, you, you've pointed out. It, it, it should happen at a wedding because right. of, of, of the depth of that analogy throughout Scripture Amen. for the relationship that God has. Why, does, why did Jesus turn water into wine? Because his mom told him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, he's, 
you know, he doesn't have to do this, does no, he? No. I, and again, I, you know, I've touched on it a little bit. We go in a deeper here. I, I really feel that this, you know, the imagery of water being of the old, te- of the old covenant, because it talks about there were, I mean, John points out, he takes the time to point out there were six jars. And as you said, this is eyewitness that, yeah, right? Yeah. This is We've got proof here, yeah. but there were six jars used for the ritual cleansing of the Jewish in the Jewish faith. Yeah. So this is the old covenant. This is water that will be used in the old way, mm-hmm. and Jesus makes it new. Yeah, I mean, from the you know at the one of the first miracles or his first miracle in the beginning at the very beginning of his of his uh, ministry, we see him. Take something old and make it new. And then we reflect back now to the Last Supper, where he takes the Passover meal, God's ultimate sparing of his people and children, Good. and turns it into something new. And now we have communion. And turns it into something full and something brilliant. And so exactly. As great as bread is and important as it is, as yeah. great and important as, and essential as water is, right. wine is <laughs> just so much more full. And there's so much there's more, flavor. Is, there's yeah, you know, there's and, everything. And we, forget about the intoxicating properties of it. We're not advocating go drink all the wine no. that you want. We're not. But what we're saying is, is if you have your choice between something that's got flavor and it's rich and it's full, and, and the wine store says it's the best wine. Yeah. I, could, I, would, I would think the implication there is this is the best wine I've ever tasted. The other thing, though, Keith, is that churches have done a poor job. We've shied away over many, many years of of emphasizing the joy and the celebration of the new covenant, of yeah. the coming of the kingdom that Jesus brings. It's appropriate that this happens at a wedding where everybody's... Have you ever been to a Mediterranean... You've been to a Mediterranean... I just got back from an Albanian right, wedding, Exactly. Man. A Mediterranean <laughs> wedding. Think about the people oh. around the Mediterranean. Italians, Albanians, Turks, uh, Jews, uh, Palestinians, Spanish, oh. um, uh, Egyptians... These people know how to have great weddings, they, great food, great expressions of joy. Yes. And and not that other people don't, but yep. man, the Mediterranean peoples, they just knock it out of the park. They are, I mean, and I will... They I go will, for days celebrating. I will, honestly, I, I will admit, both my wife and I looked at each other and went, you know, the next American wedding we go to is going to be so boring. <laughs> so boring. So boring. Right. In the, and this is throughout Scripture. Right. This is this is depicted. You know, when the prodigal son comes home, the father, who is God, says, "Let's party like it's 1999." <laughs> you know, to quote Prince. You know, they. they I mean, the, the it's throughout Scripture, and I think yeah. the church has done a poor. Oh well, yeah, he made it into wine, but let's not talk about. No, yeah. let's talk about that. He yes. want, He wants to have this celebration. Yep. This is the only appropriate reception of 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 Jesus. Is a, is a wild enthusiastic celebration. Amen and amen, because he did it for us. I mean, again, we can say, yeah, he turned water into wine, but he died and he rose again for us. If that's not worth celebrating, I mean, uh, you know, we we celebrate such little things and and forget the big things sometimes. That's not good for us. That's not good for us. Well, let's shift to this second event of this passage of scripture where Jesus goes from this, all (laughs) this positivity, all this joy, all the celebration. all in this place where Oh, hey, Jesus is all about partying and taking right. care of our needs. Yep. To going to the temple and eat. but you know, and I will, I will counter that and say, can we find joy? I'll ask, can we find joy in the temple cleansing? I think we can because the it John again points out it is written he will have zeal 
yeah. for the house of his father. We should be able. We should be able. Now, I think it also points out some very clear things that Jesus will not tolerate. Yes. And, you know. Um, and wh- whether or not we're going to be able to find, in yeah. answer your question, yeah. well, I can find joy in it if I yeah. let Jesus have an opinion about me. Right, you exactly. Know, and, and if I listen to that. And if I, yeah, if I'm obedient and if I follow him. So yeah. why had the big, so let's get something clear sure. right now. Jesus goes to the temple. He fashions right. a whip together, John's version compared yes. to the other gospels. Yep. And I mean, it's just this image of him, Indiana oh. Jones style. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm serious. I know, it's just I know. wild and throwing tables around and he is hacked off. And, and he, physically accosting people, everyone. Don't don't get this wrong. He didn't fashion whip, fashion whip and then just crack it like a lion tamer. Yeah. He went to town on some Oh, people. I know. Exactly. And so the temple is a building in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's being constructed. It took many, many years for it to be constructed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was destroyed by the Romans only a few years later. This temple was spectacular. It was commissioned by Nero, uh, the emperor, to... to uh, uh, or Herod, I'm sorry, I yeah. said ah, sorry, uh, Herod uh, to to be built for his for his people, mm-hmm. uh, and it was spectacular. Uh, but it, it's not just a building in Jerusalem. The temple is us. When we right. read this, when we read Jesus going into this physical structure and cleaning it out, yep. we should see Jesus coming into our lives and cleaning us out. Right. And anybody that's walked with Jesus, as you phrased it earlier, yeah. knows that Jesus does does this. Yeah. And it's uh, and he I scrubs would, hard. And I was going to say, I would suggest not arguing with him because this mm-hmm. is this is how hard he scrubs. Well, right? Maybe I could yeah. start saving yeah. time by yeah. by Just stopping obeying that. and not 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 right. necessarily building up the building up that stuff. Why had the temple though? If we the temple yeah. is a building in Jerusalem, you are the temple of God. I am the temple of God. Right. Why had the temple become what Jesus did not like? I, I think it was filled with things that distract us. From the worship of the one thing that we need to worship, and mm. that's God. But why does that happen? I think because it, it's easier. Number mm. one, in my life, it's just easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier to sit at my computer and read the news or play a game or, you know, get a little work done or something than open my Bible and read a devotional mm-hmm. and read and, and, and you know, meditate. Mm-hmm. That's just me. And I, be the temple. And be that temple. Fill my mind, fill my body with the Word of God and that relationship. Right. When it's just so much easier to sit and, oh, what, you know, we were talking about a current event here just before we started that I had not even heard about yet, you know, mm-hmm. and this, the, over in Hawaii. And so, you know, there it was. It's just like, wow, you know, I've been out of touch. But I also look at it and can say, well, did you do your devotional? today? Have mm-hmm. you done that over the last week that you haven't been getting the right. news? And the answer is yes, oddly enough. Yes, right. I have been. And I feel much more closer to God than I than I do attuned to what's going on in the world today. But it, it, And I think that's the way I like it. I, I kind of like that. And I hope that it doesn't fade. I'm sure it will, unfortunately, because I am who I am. But I hope that I will continue to, to empty the stuff that he wants out, that he would, that, that he doesn't have to fashion a cord of whips or a whip of cords. He doesn't have to turn over the tables of things in my life, that he can actually be there already. Yeah, we're, 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 we're becoming, we're becoming something along the way. The yeah. question is, what is it that, uh, that we're becoming along the way? Are we being and becoming a, 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 the temple of God or are we being and becoming Very something much. else? Now, one of the things that I think 
we have to be careful about as we, as we become and as we move toward being Christ-like is who's teaching us. Because one of the big things I think in America that we have a trouble with is the prosperity gospel. And I think it's not just in America. Mm. I think it's all over the world. But, I mean, as you, as you travel, as you fill your temple, are you filling it with the promises of God or are you filling it with the promises of someone? Of you. Of you. That is telling you <laughs> that you can get all this. Right. And you can do this. Because, you know, I think it's it, it, in any way, shape, or form, if it detracts us, if it takes us away, distracts us, not detracts us, but distracts us from God, then it's, then it's going to be the thing that Jesus flips over and drives out. One of the saddest things, and I think that this passage speaks to, I mean, Jesus is going into the temple and doing this. He doesn't let the fact that it's the temple of God in Jerusalem on the holiest spot on earth, that doesn't, that doesn't make it implicitly holy in itself. Right. That yeah. is a profound thing. Now, you can, you can build a, a building that looks like a church, and you could put the sign in the yard that says church. Right. That does not mean that it is a church. No. If it, is, if it is not teaching Christ, if it's not teaching scriptures, you know, right. sola scriptura, you right. were mentioning uh, yeah. uh, by scripture alone, if it's not... If, if it's a building that is not proclaiming scripture, the authority of Scripture, then I would argue then it's not really a church. It's doing something. It's, right. It might be a community center. Right. Uh, it might be a union hall of some kind. It, and it says church out, and just like this said, a temple on a sign out. And by the way, this is the temple. You yeah. know, you know. Uh, 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 but it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean that it is a temple. It's only if it is doing temple things. It's right. only if it's doing church things. Right. It's only if it is proclaiming the the authority of Scripture and the lordship of Jesus Christ as its leading blade. Uh, then it is a, then it is a scripture. Just because, or then it is a church. Right. Just because it is in form a temple. Just because it is in form a a, a church. Uh, doesn't mean, mean it that it is. Amen. You know? uh, yeah, we, we, how many of us say, yeah, I'm going to run down to the, I'm going to run down to the church, I'm going to run down to the temple and get a couple doves for dinner tonight. Right. They could, they could say that. You know, we, right. we're going to, we need to go get something. Oh, well, we can go buy it at the temple. That's, right. that's a grocery store, folks. That's not a temple. That's and not that's what it had become. It, right. it, you know, right. it seems like, well, for convenience, it had become right. a place to change money. For convenience, it had become a place where people could buy and sell different products and all right. that kind of stuff. It's not supposed to be that. You and I, you're, you and I are Christians, but uh, there are parts of me that uh, are in form a, right. a, a, a Christian, yep. but in reality, is that part of me? Is, 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 is it a temple? Is it, right. is it Christian? And that, it, sometimes Jesus will speak carefully and quietly to that. Sometimes he'll come in and storm the place with a whip. Yep, amen. And he has. And he, it's gonna, he's going to scour and clean that place out. And like I said, I, I, I want to live my life. I don't always, but I want to live my life where he doesn't have to get that far. That, that the gentle, quiet conversation is the one that I listen to, mm -hmm. and not the and not the storming. But he has the stormed in. Oh yes, oh many times in my life, he's had to get rid of things that I just wouldn't give up. And in that, in uh, going back to our original question, that's surprising, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. He's like, but I thought you loved me, Jesus. You made me this. He's like, no, I made you to be my child. I think one of the one of the things. Uh, in Romans 8, I just had talked about this recently, that we are chosen for, we, he foreknew us and we are predestined to conform to 
the image of his son Mm -hmm. is the way Paul puts it. Mm. Meaning that that's not how we started, folks. You know, that we have to become that. So he doesn't love everything. He doesn't love sin. He doesn't love that. He loves us. He loves us as his precious children. So much he's going to change us. I think I've been, when God, when Jesus has stormed into my temple and cleansed me out like this, and I've been surprised by it, a lot of times I'm surprised because I'm telling myself or have been telling myself that that part of me is not that bad or it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, no, I know I'm not completely converted in this area or or I'm not doing as well as I can in this area. Maybe it's in the area of money. Maybe it's in the area of forgiving someone. Maybe it's whatever. Any, you know, well, it's not that bad. You know, it's not that bad. And then Jesus comes storming in. It seems like he thinks that this is pretty bad. Yeah. And, the, and the reason that the temple has become this is because people for many, many years have like, yeah, it's not such a bad thing. Right. Yeah, how, yeah, how, yeah. How, nice it is, how nice it is that we're... That we're able to get our sacrifice right there. Mm-hmm. We don't we ourselves yeah, don't matter. have to raise that lamb. It's we don't have to give it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that's all right that he, they do that right. for it's us. It's easier this way. Exactly. It makes more time for me to be with God. Right. And then we are surprised that we're spending that time not Elsewhere, with God somewhere, yeah. somewhere else. Exactly. So, you know, so the question then becomes is how is the temple, the building, yep. the institution of the temple and then therefore uh, how are we how are we going to improve? My first reaction to that question is we're going to watch the guy that's throwing tables around in our lives and in our temple, and we're going to say, this guy could be right. Yeah. Uh, maybe this guy's right. And that takes a lot. Wrong? Was Ooh. anybody in the temple saying, looking at Jesus that day, brandishing a whip and throwing tables around saying, you know, this guy's right. This needed to be done. This right. we we've gotten fat. We've gotten lazy. Yep. We've gotten. I don't think anybody is saying that at all. No. But that's the the key attitude that you have to have as a Christian when Jesus you know does that. Who's well, going to do that? Hindsight being twenty twenty, I think we do that even ourselves in our own lives when he clears something out. We ultimately sheepishly, problem in my case, I know saying. He's right. I needed to get rid of that anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, but it isn't during the time. Yeah, it, it's not easy getting reprimanded by God. Yeah, it's not, I've got a yeah. system here in place. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. You yeah, know, there you go. I've got a system of, of of doing the temple here. I've got right. a system of doing Christianity here. Yep. And uh, I mean, maybe there's a lot of good to it. There's, a, you know, I mean, I'm at worship at nine or eleven o'clock. In our case, I go to Bible study. Uh, but it becomes so uh, routine, right. uh, so rote that we don't even think about it. The, uh, the the Lord's Prayer, which is an absolute perfect masterpiece, yep. is a great example of our Father who art in heaven. Don't yeah. even think about it. Nope. And then Jesus is like, I think he might grab me by the shirt and 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 say, What does this mean to you? What yeah. do you have you ever even given this a thought right. of what this prayer means and what you're saying? And a funny little side, real quick, but about the Lord's Prayer, it was the it was uh, when I was preaching the other week and you know, I was I was standing there in front of everybody and I got to the part where you know it's forgive us our debts and is the way we say it here at Dundee but I grew up I grew up in another church that says trespasses and I just stopped talking I'm like right in the middle of the prayer because it had become so rote I got right up to that point where I had to think about it yeah. and I messed it up and I'm like Oh, if that doesn't tell me something, yeah, right, right? right? So again, I think that happens in our lives. It is those moments where it's like we're going along, we're doing everything. All of a sudden, God changes something or he reminds us of something. And that's kind of where I am with this, the imagery in this is that, you know, he's, he's 
he, again, it's why we, I think why John, one of the reasons John coupled it with the wedding story is because he's taking something old, this, this idea that they had gotten used to of yeah. the temple being yeah. easy, being convenient, being what it was, and he's like, Saying no, there's some, there's a new sheriff in town, right? And we're going to clean this temple up, and we're going to, and then when they come and ask him, how do you, why, what authority, and everything, he tells them, you know, his his true divinity. He reveals his divinity to them, although they don't understand it at the time. But it, it's just so he's, he, so if we're again looking at this, putting ourselves in the place of that temple, those things that we find convenient that. Are, that he's making he's going to make something new out of us mm -hmm. and and get rid of that comforting that comfortable old way of doing things. We learn a lot about Jesus here. You yes. you touched about that's our last yeah. question. What do we learn about Jesus in the temple? I think you just started that. Yeah. I I think we get into this this assumption this wrong expectation going back to the right. beginning of yep. it, this wrong expectation that Jesus is just here to hug us and pat us on the head and say, you know, nice job, nice yeah. job. You don't see that here. Hey, nope. Coming into the temple, nope. he's not happy, and he's willing. To, we see that Jesus is, is not happy yep. with certain aspects of, of our routines and of our way of doing it. Yep. Just have, saying that we're a Christian, just saying that we belong to God, that's not enough. Not and, and he is willing to go all out. He's willing to, to get angry. But what a great loving. Thank, thanks, thanks. Amen. I mean, he loves us so much right. that he's willing to do that. Exactly. And, and yeah, no, you know, no punishment is pleasant at the time. I think, it, right. you know, it talks about in Hebrews, no punishment is right. pleasant. I love that line, pleasant. No, no, it's not. But it's good. But it's good. And that yeah. word zeal yeah. means this is somebody who energetically cares. When you have zeal for something, you care for something with energy. He cares for the temple. He cares for you. He cares for how you are, what you are, and what you're becoming with energy. Amen right? and amen. And I think the, the other thing we learn about Jesus, one of the things I thought too was he is divine because he tells them point blank destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it. This is the authority I have. <laughs> to do what he does in the temple, yeah. you'd have to have a pretty good opinion yeah. of well, who you are. Like, they, like, like they've said, is either you are the most megalomaniac, right. self-centered nut job or you're, or you're the son of God. Amen. Good place to stop. Chapter 2, John, verses 1 through 22. We're going to get into chapter 3 uh, on the next podcast. We uh, hope that you'll join us then. Mm-hmm.